0: Good morning. Good, good early morning. It is 4.39 a.m. on uh, Wednesday, June 3rd, and I am up on my way out to uh, Burgeon because now that's my life. I commute from 12 Corners Brighton to uh, Burgeon, New York every single day, 23 minutes from my driveway to my new parking lot. I enjoy the commute, to be honest with you. It gives me a chance to get my mind together, kind of think a little bit. Usually on the way in, I am uh, either listening to some music or some podcasts or whatever it is I feel that day. On the way back, it's a really good opportunity to return phone calls that I may have missed throughout the day, but uh, today I thought I had to spend my my drive to Burgeon doing a little emergency podcast because, uh, well, holy shit shit is burning into the ground. Um, it has been for a while. And yesterday, something happened, which obviously we're going to get to very shortly here. Uh, that, uh, yeah, made me made me realize, look, an emergency podcast is warranted. Now, I just want you to know I'm in the car and I have set myself up. I've rigged. Usually I leave the house at 430. I took took me like 10 minutes to figure out how to mount my microphone so that I could Essentially podcast while driving Because I didn't have time to just sit An extra 20 minutes We have two inspections today at my new joint We have the uh, USDA coming at 9am And the FDA coming at 11am For inspections And without those things we can't run So it's a very big day for us out there But anyway, enough about the. This is not what you came here for I, I'm sorry <clears throat> What you came here for was Holy shit uh, When I listened to it And by the way it was sent to me from a former co-worker who works at the... And then, for the record, and then uh, the clip in question of Kimberly and Beck from yesterday's show. I assume it was from yesterday's show, saying some extremely racist shit. Uh, and the clip, if you, if you haven't found it, go on social media. It's basically gone Rochester viral at this point, maybe even beyond Rochester. But uh, somebody said it to me, somebody from within those walls, by the way sent that to me and then uh everyone started sending it to me i had people from other radio companies i had x radio people i had friends uh i had friends from back home so i guess it probably went beyond rochester viral and look it was a month and a half ago that i was working for them and i was like well what do i say what do i what do i put on social media what do i what do i tweet And I had written a couple tweets. I was like, I wrote one tweet where I was like, uh... Because this is true. I was like, spent forever looking for a gif. Or is it jif? I still don't know. A gif of uh, somebody narrowly escaping death. Because that's what I felt like I did. (laughs) And then the other one was um, something along the lines of like, Hey, you know that feeling when you break up with an ex because you you feel like that ex is actually a terrible person? And uh, you just... Nobody else sees it, and then you leave, and then all of a sudden everybody realizes they're a terrible person, and you're, like, kind of riding on your high horse. That's kind of how I felt today. Uh, anyway, uh, let me explain a little bit. I, I was actually working for Kimberly and Beck for a few months right before I left. It was against my will. Um, I didn't necessarily know much about Kimberly and Beck before I started working for them. I, I just uh, I knew what they were. Yeah, I knew they were kind of shock jocks. Because what they do is the current-day shock jock, if you didn't know. In radio, shock jock is the term sort of invented uh, in the 90s by, like, Howard Stern and then later Opie and Anthony. And at the beginning, shock jock was just using, like, a lot of profanity on the air, you know, naked women, sex Olympics, you know, things like that. And then over time, things evolved. And shock jock modern-day style is basically, like, hardcore political very heavily one-sided, you know, opinions, political or social opinions that are very controversial. That's like modern day shock jock. And so what Kimberly and Beck do is just that they do shock jock. And, and, you know, to a certain extent, I see what they do and I go, oh, wow, they, you know, they've, if, if anything, they've got their format figured out, right? They've got their listeners trained. They've got this whole thing figured out. You know, they wake up every day, they scour the news, they look for something to be outraged about. That was the thing about their shows. I always thought it was just the most simple show in the world. Just so simple. Because the whole show is just, what are we outraged about today? That's the whole thing. Um, And so anyway, I ended up with them sort of against my will, which leans back into my story. This isn't about me, but it leans back into my story about, you know, why I eventually left that place and uh, moved on into my own little world. I wasn't very happy with what uh, I had been asked to do over the course of the past. I guess it was maybe nine months or so before I finally pulled the trigger and got out of there. Um, and this was sort of the final straw. They had made me Kimberly and Beck's uh, like part-time producer at first, and then when work from home started, they made me their full-time producer. Um, and quite frankly, uh, I I was staying i was working from home for the most part just so i didn't have to be uh, around any of it you know i i just the work from home thing was there and i i'll be i'll be completely honest with you i took advantage of it because i was like well i don't want to actually i don't want to actually be part of this <laughs> i was like i don't want to i i uh, i knew i and then at that point too and again this is getting too far into me but i at that point i knew i was leaving and so I was like well who do i care about pissing off i don't care What are they going to do? Fire me? I'm quitting anyway. And I just had a countdown clock going to April 30th that whole time. Anyway, um, my experience with KMB was, uh, are are they racist or aren't they racist? And people right now maybe screaming at their phone going, of course they're racist. Here's the honest to God truth. and, And I think if you stick with me, you'll hear. I think you'll hear where I'm not by any means letting them off the hook here. Because what I'm going to say first might make you think I'm going to let them off the hook. And don't worry, that's not what's happening. But I don't know if they're racist or not. But, Polly, didn't you hear the clip? They're clearly racist. No, Okay. They, they, honestly, very well maybe. But I don't know if they're racist or not. They are. Somebody used this term with me recently. And um, and it really it really sticks and resonates for a lot of media people. Who I, who I know Not everybody Some people are good But the term is Emperor without clothes I realized I think You know that You're dealing When you're in What Specifically radio You're dealing with Some weird hybrid Of media and entertainment It's a little bit Of both things And it attracts Personalities who Are fractured I think it attracts A lot of um, not, And again Not everybody There are Definitely exceptions to the rule that I'm putting out right now, but it attracts people who seek attention because they need to inflate their own self-worth or they need to justify their own self-worth or they have self-esteem or they have confidence issues and it fills a little void that maybe helps them uh, to uh, at least temporarily convince themselves that they aren't the thing that they fear they are the most. Uh, and I was like that for a very long time, by the way. It wasn't until I gained the confidence from my business and started to realize how much I loved a small business and started to have success in small business that I was able to sort of heal myself, look around and go, oh, wow, this isn't for me anymore, as I was in radio. Um, so that's, that's how I would describe them. They are like the emperor without clothes. I don't know if Kimberly and Beck have any idea what they're talking about on a daily basis. I, I think that it's formulaic to them. I can give you a little insight as to how this probably went down because I listened to the same clip you went down, you you listened to, and knowing how they think a little bit, I can I can give you a little bit of insight uh, into probably how this came to be. And and for the record, I have no idea for sure if I'm right. I I don't, but I think probably because what you heard was Kimberly and Beck, you know, making these awful racist statements, and then you heard. Uh, Pat McMahon, my boy Pat, who I am friends with. I love Pat. Pat's a great dude. But you hear Pat you know, playing the other side of that, basically telling them, hey, you can't say that. You can't. That's awful. You can't say that. You can't say that. And a little bit of insight into how that show works is my guess, my assumption is that that was completely planned. I don't want to use the word scripted. People used to ask me all the time, are Kimberly and Beck scripted? They're a little bit scripted, not not entirely scripted scripted in the sense that like you know they know what they're going to talk about they know what angles they're going to take they know when they're going to talk about it and it's gonna you know what they're going to talk about next and and um but sort of at that point though beyond that it's ad-libbed you know so there's a structure but then they ad-lib within the structure and uh and you know i had worked for years with Weeze. Weeze was was never I mean, and and this honestly, to a certain extent, was was frustrating, but he was never, ever structured at all. And, you know, people loved that. That was how he became really just the the biggest deal in Rochester in radio was because it was just so authentic, was what he was doing on the air was uh, absolutely the exact same thing he would be doing if there wasn't a microphone in front of him. And with Kimberly and Beck, it it wasn't the case, at least not in my experience. Now, I can't pretend to know them personally very well, but here's the thing. I don't know a lot of people who do know them personally very well. I don't know. But authentic is the word. It comes back to authentic. I don't know if you're dealing with authentic people with Kimberly and Beck. I remember when Kimberly first came to iHeart, Kimberly and Beck, I didn't know them at all. I had never even met them. Um, I just remember she kind of rolled in with... An attitude of like, "Hey guys, the queen is here," and that was her attitude. And I remember, you know, a lot of people hated that. It, it really kind of got her off on the wrong foot. And uh, and I remember one, you know, I I was always the type of person. Remember, I was a psychology major, so I'm interested in where people are coming from. And I remember always thinking, like, I I don't know where in the hell is she coming from with this? Hey guys, the queen has arrived down at my feet that was always like her kind of that was her attitude and it it didn't work you know it really made her a lot of enemies right off the bat and I never understood how not just like shaking hands and asking people how they are and where they live do you have any kids you know questions like that you know those kind of things can can get you off on the right foot And she was never really interested it was like she had this clout that she never earned and I remember thinking like what the hell? And then I just got real interested in what's behind that. Is that a territory thing? And then in here in the impression I always got, to tell you the truth, was that it was an act. I always thought that, you know, because I was around Wheeze for years. And Wheeze, Wheeze, is, Wheeze is like a legitimate star in this city. He's like a legitimate celebrity. And Kimberly hated Wheeze. And Wheeze hated Kimberly, too. And Wheeze hated Kimberly because, you know, Kimberly... Didn't stand for anything, and Kimberly hated wheeze because Weeze was what Kimberly wished she was. He was a legitimate celebrity, <laughs> excuse me, with you know, with with a ton of success in this industry, and uh, I, I just think that that is where it came from. Was she came in and she went, "I need to act like a big deal," and I always felt like it, that was what it was. It was a force. It was a it was a front. It was. Here's what I need to act like. I want to act like the type of person that I want to be. Fake it until you make it, maybe, I guess. And fake it till you make it, by the way, is not always wrong. Uh, I'm sort of faking it until I make it right now in the manufacturing of food industry. So I uh, am somehow the CEO of a business where I definitely know less than everybody around me. But anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm learning. So that, that I think, is is the troubling thing for me is i don't i don't actually know if they're racist people i really don't know and again i can hear you screaming and yelling and saying hey it's yeah Polly, it's clear that they are maybe they are and I, I yeah it's definitely it's hard to listen to that clip and excuse me i should get a drink or something it's hard to listen to that clip and not hear racism of course what they said was disgusting and racist and I'm not defending them, and and believe me. And if you're thinking like, oh my God, is he about to say he hopes they don't get fired? No, fuck that. I do hope they get fired. <laughs> of course I do. They deserve to be fired. Are you kidding me? That was awful. If I did that, look, if I did that, I would have been the scapegoat in a fucking second. Uh, in a second, I would have been. You know, if I said some that some of that shit. Oh man, in a second, I would have been the sacrificial lamb. But I'll tell you, there's two ways, in my experience, there's, there's probably two ways to get somebody fired from a large corporation like like this one. And one way is uh, money, advertisers pulling money, okay? Even in that case, though, local management will generally do everything they can still to save the talent. Because, again, remember, radio is dying, you guys. Radio is in a lot of trouble. And the only thing they have going for them is brands. They've got some big brands in that house. They've got Wham 1180. They've got Brother Weeze. They've got Bob Lonsberry. They've got Kimberly and Beck. That's their competitive advantage. Other than that, they're on a dying medium in a dying industry that's under attack every single day. And losing, losing, losing. But they've got these brands they can sell. They can sell the, pub, the, the, the business owners of Rochester on the fact that the public has brand loyalty and that there is there are brands in place, like the ones I just named, and that those brands uh, still are able to reach the masses. And so they'll defend and save those brands any way possible. And I think we've all seen, with some of those names that I just spit out, and quite frankly, pretty much all the names I just spit out, I can think of a couple examples from my 10 years working there where I think we all woke up to uh, something where I was going, oh, shit, I don't know if so-and-so is going to make it through this one. And I'm not going to get into any of those because those are all long stories in and of themselves. But this was another example. You know, I woke up this morning (laughs) and I... uh, I spent a good 15 minutes scrolling through social media going, holy shit. Um, I don't know if they're going to make it through this one. And, God damn it, they should not. But there's two ways. I tell you, really two ways in my experience to get somebody actually let go from a big corporation, especially somebody who's got a big brand. The first way is the money that I was starting to tell you about. Pulling money, advertisers saying they no longer want to advertise. And... Um, Even in that case, local management will probably pull out all the stops to try and save it, whether it's, you know, a couple things they might try. One is they would have them obviously go on the air and give an apology. Um, They would force them to have some guests on with the opposite view and basically give them all the time they want to tell Kimberly and Beck why they're stupid and wrong and, you know, hope that that gains them goodwill. Another thing is that company is doing mandatory furloughs right now where a lot of their big-name talent has to take two weeks off. And I think Kimberly and Beck have taken one of their two weeks. So another thing that the company might do to be a little sneaky is they would, they would give them an immediate week off and call it a suspension and say that it's without pay. But in reality, that was what they already had to do was give them that furlough. That's a company mandate. So that, if that happens, by the way, FYI, that's a sneaky move. we got to call that out because I could see that happening where they say, hey, let's just start their furlough today, their second furlough, their second mandatory furlough. Just start it today. We'll call it a suspension. We'll say they're not getting paid because they're not because it is a furlough. And we're not lying. And we did take action because we moved it up. It was supposed to be later in the summer, but we moved it up to now. So we're off the hook because we look like we took action. Meanwhile nothing really got hurt anyway. We knew they had to go take this furlough. So that's I would say that's one thing we really got to watch out for. Hopefully it doesn't come to that. But I told you there's two ways really to get someone fired when they're at the level that Kimberly and Beck are. I would say that's one, you know, the money being pulled. The other one, which I think is what might be at play here today, is if it comes from on high. Because you have – and I'm talking about the high levels of the corporation. Because you have to remember – A corporation like that is so big that the highest manager, the highest level of management that they have in Rochester is still basically just middle management and to a certain extent still has their hands tied on being able to do anything to to make any real moves, right? They still are, are having to go above their heads and get permission from whoever their bosses are. So you have to remember that. You know, picture a business, we're all used to what's the business structure, right? You have an owner or a CEO, they're surrounded usually by a level of management and then you've got your employees. Okay, well with, with a company like this one, there are so many levels of management that I've never even met like the first and second tier of a company I worked for for 15 years. You know, the highest level I met was, like, the third tier of management. And they would come around once or twice a year. And then the fourth tier of management, that's basically who you have actually in the markets. So that's what, like, who's actually in Rochester would be. Somebody who's basically, like, four levels down from the CEO. So, again, you're talking about middle management. So, how does this lead to somebody getting fired? Well, if this gets on corporate's radar, which at this point, I can't see how it doesn't. But if this gets on corporate's radar... They may just send down the mandate, clip them, get rid of them. You know, fuck it, terminate them. I think in this case, that's your best bet. If you're, if you are on team, I want to see Kimberly and Beck fired, which pretty much you all are. <laughs> which I don't blame me. Again, I'm, am I on that team? Yes, I am. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm coming up on my exit here, so I got to wrap this up. But uh, that's what I think is more likely to happen i think this getting on the attention of the higher levels of corporate and you got to understand the high levels of corporate don't you know that yes they're in big financial trouble there's a pandemic this is a company that was in big financial trouble even prior to the pandemic this is a company that just this year in 2020 laid off a giant chunk of their workforce i mean this is a company that is not in good shape and now they've got this landing in their lap and i could see them just saying look we gotta we gotta clip these guys if this gets high enough which it very well could you know and i hope it does if it gets high enough they could do that somebody was asking me yesterday well what what would the radio station do i don't know i don't know i thank god i'm not there anymore though oh jesus god thank you lord i got out just in time because there's no win there would have been no win for me here i'm looking at this i'm going okay so you know most recently i was working with them so i probably would have just been fired along with them despite having had no say in what they did cuz i cuz pat was in studio giving his opposite side of the story i i was would have been at home so i would have just been lumped in with them with no microphone and no voice probably would have been fired with them one possibility a second possibility is i would have just been given their show which would have been a complete just set up for failure right because people are just boycotting the radio station at this point uh or you know i wouldn't have been given their show which would have just been an ultimate frustration for me because you know that was for years what i was hoping for was to be given a radio show there and it and it i mean it kind of came to fruition i was given a couple little shows but they were always like weekend shows and stuff and wasn't exactly what i was looking for anyway uh that's, I guess that's it. I'm, I'm actually just getting off the exit in burgeoning, so I should hang her up. But uh, I don't know if you enjoyed this, if this was insightful at all, um, if this helped. Uh, a little a little bit of a view from the inside. It's just uh, just my personal opinions and thoughts and maybe a little insight as to how things work and how things might work in this situation. But anyway, all right. Wish me luck on my inspections today. Thank you for listening to the emergency... Poly Googliano Show Podcast